Well, hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow, and welcome to this week's episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And today, it's my pleasure to be interviewing a young, up-and-coming, inspiring, kick-butt real estate entrepreneur, Sarah Eater. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dave. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. This is great. It's my pleasure. Now, Sarah has done some amazing things very, very quickly with real estate investing. Prior to real estate investing, just a few years ago, she was actually a professional athlete. What was your sport of choice, Sarah? Equestrian show jumping. So jumping horses over very large sticks. <laughs> yeah, and that's a that's a heavy duty sport and very yep. dangerous actually, because that's what's hit Superman in, if I recall correctly. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. I, I took some good spills. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're on safe ground now and you're focusing on real estate investing. Now, Sarah has done several different things, anywhere from doing flips, getting into multifamily properties, getting into developments. And what I really want to focus on today, because Sarah is what I affectionately call a young punk, <laughs> a young person who's up to speed on social media and all this kind of great stuff. And she's been doing some amazing things around attracting investors and raising capital using social media. So Sarah, that's what that's what we'll kind of focus today's conversation on. But in the meantime, tell us what the heck was it that got you going from jumping horses over big sticks into real estate investing? That's an awesome question. And it's kind of cool. I love to talk about it, especially, you know, from the standpoint of being a millennial. Hopefully it'll give some people like some inspiration because Horses were my passion. Obviously, I don't think you would do a dangerous sport like that if you didn't love it. And I unfortunately started my own business when I was 24 and had no idea what I was doing. I got myself into some ridiculous debt. It was a labor of love. I just kept spending like so much money on my credit cards, just trying to keep my business afloat until I got to the point where I realized I was going to go bankrupt. There's no way I could do it anymore. And for anyone that like knows anything about horses and how expensive they are, you can see why. It's, it's a ridiculous industry to be in. So I ended up taking a temp job just to kind of float my bills at a property management company. And this company happened to do joint ventures. And I was like, what is a joint venture? This is crazy. I didn't even know something like that existed. So throughout, you know, working with the company, I got to learn about investing, about joint venturing. And that's kind of how I decided to segue into real estate. That's really cool. Cause so you got the insider scoop. <laughs> yeah. You're working for a property management company. You go, whoo. Yeah. There's better money in being the owner of the properties oh, than yeah. managing the properties. And you Absolutely. saw what you're doing with joint ventures. And you said, let's let me get some of that. All right. Perfect. So how did you go from property management? And what did you start doing first? Flips? I actually started in small like student rentals. Oh. I had ended up finding some people who had equity in their houses. So my first joint ventures were kind of like BTB style. They just didn't want to do, you know, student rentals are such high management. Luckily I had the property management experience. So I'm actually grateful because as a millennial who had no portfolio, no track record, the only thing I could offer was my experience, which was, you know, managing tenants. So I said, okay, I'll come in, I'll manage your students. I'll take over these houses and I want like an equity split because they were getting out of it. So yeah, that's actually kind of how I got my first entry into it. That is so cool, Sarah. And that's very, very good advice, especially for young yeah. people and not so young people. There's different ways that you can get involved in real estate investing. One is trial and error, which really sucks. That's a stupid way to do it. 
Yeah. Another way is you can go buy somebody's training and program and, and mentoring and coaching, which is a smart way to do it. Definitely. And or if you're a little cash strapped, you go work in the field, do it just like you did. And then you bring that expertise and that effort to the table. And that's that just like you did with those first partners. That's what you brought into the into the game. And that's how you got going. So yeah. good on you for that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, let's switch into what I really want to talk with you about, which is raising capital. That's something that's near and dear to my heart. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what my whole focus is on professionally here. But I'm old school. I've got lots of gray hair. The hair I've got is kind of gray. I'm, I'm an old dog, but I'm an old, old dog who's definitely open to learning new tricks. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit about this before we, we started recording, Sarah. Typically, I mean, you've, you've done very, very well using social media Yes. for attracting investors and raising capital. I, being the conservative old guy, I'm, I, I usually tell people to steer away yeah. from trying to raise capital and attract investors using social media because I don't want them to get in trouble with the Securities Commission up here in Canada. Each province has their own, and each one seems to be worse than the next. Down in the States, we've got a lot of listeners in the States as well, so they got these, they've got the Trade Commission. Yes. So... Tell us a little bit about your twist on using social media for raising capital. So how do you how do you do it without getting into trouble with the trade commissions? That's an awesome question. It's something that I explored from the very beginning, knowing that this would be an issue. Obviously, we do not want to get in trouble with the Security Commission. We want to make sure that it looks like we're doing what we're doing, which is, you know, using accredited investors that we have a prior relationship with, then we are not trying to solicit business as securities. So how I get around this with myself and my clients is by taking an educational standpoint. Mm. So I never sell opportunities, or if I do occasionally on my social media, it will blatantly state at the bottom of my post that this is for accredited investors only. And again, I would always suggest, you know, get your own legal advice when you're posting these sorts of things on social. But I think the more you can just educate people, talk about different types of investing, the types of projects you're working on and encourage people to reach out to you. I think you really kind of escape that loophole, I guess, that the Securities Commission you know, doesn't want you doing. So. All right. So, the, so what I'm, what I'm hearing there is you're not getting on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever the hell it is that's that's popular these days <laughs> and say saying, hey, it's Sarah, I've got this great up-down duplex looking for a money partner. I'm guaranteeing 13.7%. Give me a call at 1-800-GET-RICH-QUICK. You're not, you're not doing that. You're doing yeah. educational clips or posts or whatever. You're 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 teaching people something, you're showing yourself as the expert authority. And then you're saying, hey, if you're interested in more information, reach out, either give me a call or visit my website or whatever it is. Yep. Is that correct? Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. That definitely makes <laughs> sense. And the reason I ask is because I do I see on a fairly regular basis people posting deals on Facebook mm -hmm. and saying, hey, I'm looking for an investor partner. Give me a call if you're interested. And I just think that's a recipe for disaster sooner or later. Like, you know. Definitely. It's so risky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, face it's it's up there, it's out there forever, right? I mean, that's that's a big, big challenge. Okay, great. So that makes sense. Next question I have is let's say 
somebody's watching this or listening to this and they're kind of in my shoes and they're a bit of a technophobe and they're <laughs> a bit of a social media dinosaur and they're not really up to speed on this kind of stuff or maybe even somebody who does use it a little bit but where would you suggest is if you had to pick one social media platform what would be the best one to get started with I think Facebook is definitely the most user-friendly. I think it's the one that of all generations, we all use it, whether we're checking in on, you know, Susie's kids or, you know, creeping people <laughs> as everyone kind of likes to do on Facebook. It's pretty easy to take that knowledge. Like people know enough how to post and click on things. You can translate that into creating a Facebook business page where you can just start posting. You know, you don't have to even get as savvy as putting up a video or Facebook lives. I know that might be a little more advanced, but even just posting pictures of your property and talking about some cool tip that you have for your, you know, investors or something like that. Yeah. That's probably a good way to just you know, break the ice and get started. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. All right. So Facebook's probably the way to start. And yeah, like you say, it is very user-friendly. It's very easy to, I mean, my buddy Ken, for crying out loud, he's already gotten the hang of, of doing Facebook lives from his, ah, his cell phone and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah I, I see that working very, very well. Okay. So educational drips, that kind of stuff. So here's the next question, I guess. So start with Facebook. Do you do any other kind of social media or is that the number one thing that you do? I also use Instagram and YouTube. Okay. So I'm pretty active on all three. I find eventually you kind of need a web to, uh, you know, people will look at my Facebook, go watch my YouTube videos and then message me on Instagram. So they usually come across all of my channels before reaching out to me. Okay. So yeah. I guess like I always tell everybody, start with one thing. Start first. with one. Yeah. Facebook's probably the place to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to, I could be completely wrong here, but I'm going to guesstimate at least my experience is most of the people that I'm getting on board for investors, they're, you know, we're, we're looking for a hundred thousand dollars plus kind of thing. So they tend to be a little bit higher up in years. They, they tend to be yeah. 35 plus 40 plus 50 yeah. plus that sort of thing. Chances are they're not Instagramming up a storm. They're probably primarily on Facebook. Then, yeah. Absolutely. That's definitely the demographic for sure. Okay. So you covered some of my questions here. So, Let's say I do start posting on Facebook and it's educational type stuff about what I'm up to with real estate investing. How often should I be posting? Excellent question. Cause you're right. Frequency on social media matters a lot. Sometimes it's not always what you're saying, but even just to get Facebook's algorithms working properly so that enough people can see your content, they want to see that you're posting, I'd say at least five days a week. So even if you can get into like a Monday to Friday posting schedule, you'll really start to like boost and get Facebook working for you. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, Let's wave the magic wand. We've been posting for a while now. You're getting, you know, getting out, getting the hang of this whole thing, doing maybe even Facebook lives or maybe doing little tours of your properties, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And you get somebody who reaches out to you and says, Sarah, I'm interested. I'd like to find out more, maybe even invest with you, but you don't know that person. You don't know if that person's an accredited investor. You know, again, getting back to covering our butts because according to the Securities Commission, you know, unless we're licensed brokers of some sort, unless we have an offering memorandum, unless we've gone through all that crap, we're not supposed to raise capital from the general public. The exceptions being accredited investors who are great, but they're kind of few and far between, mm -hmm. and 
relatively close, you know, or what they call close friends and family, co-workers, people that you have a pretty significant pre-existing relationship with. So a stranger reaches out to you through Facebook. Yeah. How or do you transition that into becoming a, an actual money partner? Yeah, excellent question. Again, we all we always want to keep this within compliance with the law so that it doesn't come and bite us down the road. And you know, navigating social media can be a little trickier than meeting someone at a networking event or something like that. So what I try to do is literally establish that relationship with them. So, I mean, I'll never, I just don't think it's good business to do, you know, business with someone you haven't met face to face anyways, but I always make sure that, you know, I'll talk with them multiple times on the phone. I meet them, I meet their spouse, I meet their family. Usually I meet them, you know, anywhere from three to six times Mm. before I actually invest with them. So, I mean, they'll have to, I guess, proof of burden onto like what, you know, constitutes a longstanding relationship. But at least I can say, you know, we do have some sort of friendship, some sort of relationship. I've met them and their spouse and their families. So there is some sort of pre-existing relationship there. Yeah. So you become fast friends. Fast friends. That's a great way of putting it. Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, and that just yeah. makes sense because I mean, some of these, some of these things are so arbitrary. They're yes. rules of what quality. Do you know where the bathroom is in their house? <laughs> How long they've been married. Like, yeah, I mean, my best friend from <laughs> high school. We've been best friends forever, right? I have no idea. I can't remember where the hell his bathroom is at his house, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not friends? No. But no, anyhow. exactly. Yeah, smart, smart, smart. So become fast friends. Yes, that, meet with them multiple times. You know, this is a case where, yeah, making meeting them at their home would make sense. Make sure you know about their family, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, that's really just good business sense as well because – I find, I don't know if you've seen this with your students and clients as well, Sarah, but at the beginning, people are just, hey, if, if somebody can cut me a check, they're on as an investor. And I say, no way. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you definitely want to know who you're bringing on as an investor because if, if they're not a good match for you, not just deal-wise, but personality-wise, that's a painful situation to be in a couple of years down the road when you're got a hundred thousand dollars of their cash, right? That's, that's where you don't want to be. So very, very, very smart. Okay. That's good. That's really good stuff, Sarah. So these interviews tend to run pretty fast and we're wrapping this up here pretty quick, but tell me a little bit about, I I know you're a very active real estate investor and I see Mm -hmm. you've been out speaking at different real estate clubs and doing a great job with that. Do you do some coaching and training with people as well? I do. Yeah. I uh, specifically work with, I would say kind of like intermediate level investors who, you know, they might already have a portfolio. They're stuck. They're ready to take the next level and start raising capital on their own. And obviously a huge focus of my program is on social media, but also just you know teaching people how to avoid these types of things, how to make sound joint venture deals and do it the legal in the right way. So. Excellent. Very good. So if people are interested in finding out more about you, Sarah, what should they do? If you visit my website, which is sarahedder.com, I have a lot of resources, obviously social media videos on raising capital, but I also do have a free ebook, which you can access on the main page of my website called The Ultimate Guide to Raising Capital. Which I just downloaded and went through and it's very good. So yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Fantastic. So Sarah, as we're wrapping things up, I've asked you a whole bunch of questions. Were there any questions I should have asked you, but I didn't? Oh, that's a good question. Turning it back on me now. I don't know. I guess 
Well, he, I, he actually, you know what? I do have one. And oh, good. Save me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I was just thinking, what are, I mean, because you've been showing people how to do this for a while. What are some yeah. of the biggest mistakes you see people making mm. when they're trying to raise capital? That's the first part. And then when they're trying to use social media to raise capital, what are some of the biggest oh, mistakes? Great question. I would say that the biggest mistakes I see people doing is not getting clear on what they're posting. Some people think that they can just show up every day and just post a picture of themselves or a property. And that's going to be enough for people to reach out to them and be interested. But you, you have to have a bit of a, a purpose to what you're posting, you have to think through the eyes of the, the investor, you know, and think, okay, what would they want to see from me in order for them to say, ah, you know, this is the person I want to work with. And so on social media, yeah, it's like people will just be all over the place. They're posting videos on Instagram and different stories on Facebook. And it's, it's very scattered. Mm -hmm. I generally suggest spending time in the beginning, developing a really powerful like brand and self-identity. So you know, kind of where you're going with your social media strategy. Very good. Good advice. Well, there you have it folks, Sarah. Thank you very much for being on the show today and for sharing your, your experience and your wisdom, especially around Thank you. social media for raising capital. You've opened my eyes to it. I'm not as, <laughs> I'm not as close to the idea as I was before. But when again, it's all back to that educational marketing. It's about sharing, Definitely. teaching, giving value, and then you know not directly going for the cash. So it makes exactly. a lot of sense. Awesome, Sarah. And thank you everybody thank for watching this week's episode. And take care. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Dot com. Take care.